What's going on today? Hope the day is treating you well. Wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew over at Muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs. Be sure to check out msfi.ca today. We're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out boonecontracting.ca. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. All right, so we've been bringing you a lot of great guests during this quarantine, giving you different people to listen to, and I've gone a little bit local with this one. We have Steve MacArthur from News 95.7 right here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, on with us today. Steve, how's the day treating you? Hey, James, thanks so much for having me. Uh, doing the uh as best as I can be uh, considering the circumstances and everything that's going on uh, over the past few weeks and months. And everybody in the MacArthur household is doing well? Yeah, we're, we're, doing, we're doing pretty good. Um, you know, the, the shooting that took place, I don't want to get uh, too deep into it, but uh, it ended six minutes away from uh, our home in uh, Wellington. So, once we found out those details, it really kind of hit home uh, even harder. And uh, I have a 10-month-old, and we take her out for walks quite frequently. And uh, it's just, it's been a really tough week, James, uh, dealing with everything, as I'm sure many Nova Scotians are right now. Yeah, it's it's absolutely, you know, mind-boggling how something like that could happen. And you don't think of it, you know, ever happening anywhere near where you live. But when it does, it. You can only think about the families and those who are affected and, and try to make sure that you do anything possible to spread the love and make sure they know that they are, they are well taken care of and well in thoughts. And it's a difficult time. It's not one that will heal easy. And unfortunately, with COVID-19, it doesn't allow the, the fact of mourning properly either. So it, it adds an extra element that doesn't need to be there. No question. And I think everyone is, is kind of looking forward to, um, you know, when the restrictions are lifted from COVID-19 to getting together and uh, properly mourning and, and grieving um, everything that's happened and the 22 victims who, who lost their lives. So we'll, we'll look forward to that time. Oh, definitely. Well, I can say, you know, just walking around my neighborhood in Coal Harbor, uh, we walk up and down the streets, you know, because basically that's the only exercise you kind of get you can't go to the gym any longer but you go through the streets and just the streets are done in chalk with big hearts and Nova Scotia strong and you look in all the windows of the homes and there's all kinds of hearts and different ways of people memorializing what's happened so the community definitely feels it and you're right on the other side of this there will be something that needs to be done and I'm hope it's done properly and, and everyone's involved absolutely absolutely James well, to, to shift it to you a little bit, I mean, this is a you-focused talk right now. Um, you know, I want to know, what got you into radio? What got you going? And why did you want to spread your voice to the airwaves? You know, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, I'm going to be turning 37 uh, next Friday, and I've been in media and broadcasting since I was 19. So I've um, been doing this a really long time. It's been a career that's given me so much, uh, so many great opportunities and experiences. And 
something that I fell into kind of accidentally. Um, in my grade 12 year, I remember I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do uh, in my life and what career path I wanted to take. And at the time, I was considering going into the RCMP and becoming an RCMP officer. And I was 18 at the time, and you have to be 19 in order to apply. And, you know, I was looking at the process and all of those things. And many of my uh, colleagues who I graduated with were all saying, you know, I'm going to St. Avax or I'm going to Acadia. And they had all their plans solidified and in concrete. And I didn't. And I remember we were sitting in the guidance counselor office at uh, Inverness Academy. Uh, that's where I graduated from, and I was flipping through a Nova Scotia Community College book, and I ended up stumbling upon radio and television art. And I said, you know, that looks pretty cool. I think I'll apply. And uh, I ended up applying, and I got accepted. So once I got accepted, I said, okay, I guess I'll go. <laughs> and uh, I ended up uh, going, and at the time, uh, the program was being offered um, at Kingstech campus in Kentville. It's since moved now to the waterfront campus in Dartmouth, and they have much better facilities there now uh, than what we had in Kentville at the time. But uh, that's where it all started for me, and uh, I can't imagine taking another career path at this time. Um, you know, and the first year of uh, the program, I didn't really apply myself as much as I could have because I didn't really know, you know, if this was for me, um, ended up passing my first year. And uh, after my first year was over, I, you know, started to grow uh, much more of an interest into the radio and broadcasting side of things and really applied myself more in the second year. And um, I ended up getting hired. I was the first person hired out of uh, our class and uh, went to go work in, in St. John and kind of the rest is history. Well, it's always awesome to hear how someone got to where they are. And a lot of times it is happenstance, you know, just happen to either be in the right spot at the right time or just falling into it and then falling in love with it, really. And, you know, for myself doing podcasting, that's what I've just fell in love with. I like to talk and I like to talk to interesting people. So what better way to do it? So listening to you and how you went about it is definitely uh, is definitely the way that it should go. It should be something you want to do and the old adage goes, you know, you find something that you love to do and you never work a day in your life. There's no question about that, James. And I've listened to some of your podcasts before and uh, I can definitely hear the passion and enthusiasm in your voice. And uh, I always enjoy when you're getting pumped up for a, a Leafs game or a Thunderbirds game or any other local sports that are going on. I think you do a great job. I really appreciate that. No, and I've been very, very lucky with the Coal Harbor Colts and especially the Halifax Thunderbirds came to town and, you know, they reached out to me to work with some of their players over podcasts and then getting to go to the game. So it's absolutely awesome. And of course, hearing you there and we'll get to that in a few moments. But yeah, no, it's it's absolutely wicked to be able to be a part of just a little bit of the stuff in the community and get your toe in the water, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Man. I mean, I think the sports scene. Um, in Halifax, in HRM, is, is so vibrant when you really kind of peel back the layers and look at everything that's going on, whether it's it's hockey or whether it's uh, basketball, which is big football at the AUS level, and 
and high school level as well is huge. And now we have lacrosse, which has really kind of exploded under the scene. Lacrosse was here prior to the Thunderbirds, but I think the Thunderbirds have really brought so much more exposure to that game here in Halifax and throughout Nova Scotia. It's just, it's a really awesome sports scene here in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I think we have so many stories and and uh, stories to tell about the awesome sports and athletes here in Nova Scotia. Well, you know, to speak about the Thunderbirds for a second, I mean, obviously I know that you do work with them as well, but you talk about a team that comes to town with a bunch of fanfare and then they get onto the, the the field and they're playing and the games are going and the fans are coming and they're selling out and you see jerseys everywhere and talking to some of the guys on the team and just they didn't they couldn't expect to see that many people and they just blown away like um, talking to Withers and he said you know you look around there's people wearing lanyards and jerseys and shirts and there's not even game day and it's just they're just walking around because they like the team so much and he's like it's blown away and I really hope that that magic keeps going when everything comes back because they were having such a great season and just the entertainment value, it's it's absolutely second to none. I'll tell you, James, no question. And, you know, I need to really thank the Thunderbirds for introducing uh, the game of lacrosse uh, to my life at the uh, level that it's been since I started working with them and, and uh, being their PA. But one thing I'll tell you is I'm a sports guy. Uh, I love baseball, I love hockey, huge football fan, Um, you know, so grasping the game uh, came rather quickly to me. And one thing uh, I will say about the Halifax Thunderbirds is they can play with any team in the NLL, no question. I ended up uh, purchasing a VR Live subscription to watch uh, some other games from teams around the league and uh, to stay updated with the Thunderbirds when they're on the road as well. Um, And, I mean, the Thunderbirds are so deep. Um, You know, just from top to bottom, they have a deep lineup, and Kurt Stiers, the owner and GM, has put together such a great team for the inaugural season here in Halifax. And, you know, I just hope things uh, resume at some point because there is just a special feeling around the Thunderbirds this year, and, I hope we get to finish it out. Well, I know that they won't get to finish out the season. I don't think. I think the NLL is pretty much packing it in, from what I understand, anyway. But you know, I'm wondering if they can just keep the inaugural feeling going. You know, for for next season when they do come back. I mean, you you didn't finish out the season technically, so why not keep it? Just make it a 2.0 and just keep the party going. I mean, you look at the East Coast Kitchen Party game. And how yeah. absolutely off the charts that was in the city. There wasn't anywhere you can go, whether it be radio, in the paper, you walk around town. Everybody was talking about how awesome it was top to bottom. It was. It was totally awesome. And I think that um, I heard Charlie uh, Ragusa on the podcast talking about um, just how everything kind of came together for the Thunderbirds. And before the first game was held, when that uh uh, purple versus orange game was uh, was held for the exhibition game at the Scotiabank Center and just all the, the moving pieces and things they needed to get in place in order to kind of launch the team. And one thing that he said that I thought was really interesting, and I totally agree with him on this, is I think that kitchen party game, that Saskatchewan rush game, was just a turning point for the team, the franchise, uh, what it meant 
uh, to the people of Halifax, the people working in game and around the Thunderbirds. I think everything just started to click uh, from from that point on. And then we had the Buffalo Bandits game where there was a huge victory. Uh, Halifax needed that victory uh, at the time. It moved them to eight and four and back uh, to the top of the North Division. And then, of course, <laughs> the, the world kind of stopped. Yeah. Uh, with with COVID nineteen and and as you mentioned, the NLL announced that uh, the season would be canceled. But I think there's still a little bit of hope, and you know, I'm still kind of hoping that maybe we can get playoffs in at, at some point, James. But you know, I don't know. I, I hope that we can, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? No, we'll talk a little bit more about you know opening things up and, and sports teams doing what they need to do to get back into their respective fields. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I also wanted to speak on the fact, you know, with the Thunderbirds coming to town, you know, just everything that goes on around them, they, they brought that much fanfare. They're, they're selling out. They're getting fans in. They've created that interest and buzz, and it sets a template up because the city is looking potentially at getting a stadium and a CFL team, and I'm wondering if they look at what's going on with the Thunderbirds and the success, and if they use that kind of modeling to bring a CFL team here and create the same kind of buzz, and I'm wondering if it's possible, and I'm wondering where you lie on the whole stadium and CFL team thing. Right, and I think that's such an interesting and, and hot-button debate that uh, is happening here in HRM and throughout Nova Scotia, especially when you talk about um, injecting public money, uh, taxpayer money into a stadium proposal, which oftentimes these things don't turn a profit. It's just a, an investment or a cost of doing business. Um, and, you know, HRM has already committed uh, $20 million towards a uh, proposed CFL stadium, but, you know, there's no provincial commitment uh, at this point, and there's no federal commitment uh, to this point for uh, a stadium. And uh, we still don't know uh, what the new location will be. Shannon Park isn't going to happen anymore. Um, so, I mean, that's still up in the air. Anthony LeBlanc, one of the co-founders of Scooter Sports and Entertainment, just left the group this week, and uh, now he's working with the Ottawa Senators. So, I mean, I, personally, James, I think COVID-19 has threw a huge wrench into the FSE proposal and the CFL bid. They're saying that it, it hasn't, and they're still moving forward. But I don't know, like with, with, the, with the municipality's finances right now, I don't know how they can commit that $20 million going forward. I, I just don't know how they can do it. No, it doesn't seem feasible in the short term. But in the long term, I mean, if you look maybe five years down the line, um, which may be what a lot of things that were coming up have to do, whether it be the stadium or other projects, you may have to push and, you know, get things back and ease the bleeding and fix it all up and, and get back to, you know, a normal balanced budget. But I see the team coming here. I see a stadium getting built. And I'm just wondering where it would go. And a lot of people say, hey, it would be cool to get it somewhere in Dartmouth Crossing, somewhere in that area there where everything's being built and you're right off the highway. But you look at the land and where would you put it? Where could you possibly yeah. sit that down? And there's only one parcel I can think of, and that's right in behind the Canadian Tire and Walmart there where they have that blank lot um, that they were proposing maybe condos. Maybe that might be a spot but then you look at parking and everything else to go around it, and 
It just doesn't seem feasible. And then some people say, why not put it out by the airport? And a lot of people around here bemoan right. that because why do you want to drive all the way aboard the airport to go see a game, you know? Right. So, but I mean, yeah. again, you're still on the highway. Then also you're close to the airport. So if teams are flying in from out west, you have all that right there. You have the Alt Hotel already built. So you already have built an infrastructure right with you. But I don't know. You know, I, I, I would love, like, I, I'm not a CFL fan. I'll come right out and say it, James. I don't watch a lot of CFL. Um, but would I go to games here and there if there was a team and if there was a CFL, if there was a stadium here in Halifax, would I go? Absolutely, I would. And one of the things that I thought was uh, interesting about the whole Shannon Park proposal is that they were talking about making it uh, more of a hub. Uh, you know, so you, and, and this is the way a lot of professional sports teams are going these days is they're building a stadium, but they're also, you know, building in around it other entertainment uh, options for people outside of just the sporting event to take in while they're there. Yeah, Edmonton uh, is a great example of that, what they did with the Edmonton setup and what they're proposing with the Calgary setup with their arenas there. You know, they built the arena and then they built the, you know, infrastructure of all the entertainment and different things to do while you're in that area and it just becomes a spot where you can go for everything. Absolutely. And, and, and to me, that's attractive. So, you know, you, you may, you may want to do a tailgate uh, before the game. You may want to grab a bite to eat. Maybe you booked a hotel room. Uh, you know, maybe there's uh, some pubs and things that you can go to afterwards that have live music uh, to keep you in the area so that, you know, it, it's really kind of all about the experience. Yeah. The, the game or the professional sport is the centerpiece, but there's so much to do, uh, you know, and, and family oriented events for people to take in as well. Um, you know, when, when they're at these events, I think, I think under that model or that proposal, I think it would be great. I really do, but I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> no, that's the hard part. It's figuring out where it'll go. And I mean, yeah. when they had the Shannon park one originally proposed, the first thing I heard was they were going to attach a casino to it which adds, you know, another element, another money maker, which is great and all, but I'd rather see, I went to um, Tampa the first week of March, actually, I call it the last week before the world decided to tap out, because it was the, the first week of March, everything was normal, we were down at the MLA Arena in Tampa, we went to Tampa, Boston, Tampa, Montreal, and you go there, and just the outside setup, it's like what we we're talking about here with this restaurant. You can walk, you know, to and fro with your drink and, you know, you can talk to fans. They got the big screen set up and all around that area too, there's restaurants and there's also a little trolley car that goes along and takes you for free. Seven or eight stops up and I think it's from six in the morning till 10 at night. You can ride that trolley tram up and down and it's, it absolutely blew me away the setup. And I, I think about that for here where we're a city that is growing and our growth rate seems to be, if you look around, getting bigger and bigger all the time. I think it's time that we, we have these things, but it's just making it financially feasible to do so. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting to talk about just how people are getting in and out, because I think that is a huge issue for, um, you know, the, the group that's trying SSE, the group that's trying to bring this stadium uh, here to Halifax. What is the transportation model? What does that look like to get people in and out, um, you know, from the stadium area uh, in, a, in, you know, somewhat of a, uh, a calm fashion or at least, you know, something that's not going to really bottleneck things. And I think that was 
one of the big uh, deterrents to using the Shannon Park model was, okay, well, what are we going to do in order, you know, what type of money do we have to invest in order to make the stadium accessible? Um, you know, and commuter rail has been discussed in HRM, which would be a really great way to, um, you know, take some cars off the road and, and ease up the congestion and traffic. But I think that's a big issue, too. No, definitely. Well, to leave the stadium issue with just one last thought, I mean, you go to Toronto and you see the uh, the TFC, the stadium right on the uh, the water and the backdrop when they do the camera angles on TSN and you look right out on the water. You think of the same thing right here for Shannon Park with the stadium here. You have the ability to have the, the open-ended stadium right over the harbour and just the beautiful shots you could probably get and, you know, the nostalgic feel of going to a game. You know, you go to whatever, Halifax versus Toronto on a CFL game. You know, snow is lightly falling. You you could set the ambiance right there. Yeah, it'd be great. I think it sounds like a great time. <laughs> well, you know, and to talk about other teams here in Halifax, too. I mean, not just to talk about, you know, the potential CFL team or the Thunderbirds. The Mooseheads are always going to be a draw. Uh, everybody loves the Mooseheads. We're kind of in a rebuild. You watch big names go out this year, like Jared McIsaac and Walter Flower, uh, Bo Grew. So now, you know, it's that three-year cycle they always say where now they're going to be recouping assets and getting bigger and better um for you what's the overall experience for a moosehead game in halifax let people know because some people are maybe coming down to check them out once we get on the other side of covid yeah you know i was i just to kind of take it back a little bit here you mentioned uh, all of the players who departed and and the mooseheads were able to pick up uh, a lot of draft picks which i think will help them in the rebuild uh, much quicker um but one thing I was a bit surprised at was just the performance of the Mooseheads, given the fact that they had all of those players who you just mentioned, who most of them are probably, if not already, heading to the NHL. They will be. Yep. Um, you know, plus Alex Gravel in the net, uh, who's a top-line goaltender and who helped lead the team to the Memorial Cup championship game and the President's Cup final. Um, I thought that the Mooseheads were going to have a better showing with the lineup and the roster that they had going into the season. I was really surprised by the results, James, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, it's an old adage, too. You go through all those extra games, right, and you play later into the season. Um, it may weigh on guys. You may not get back to 100% or be tired, you know, long runs. Um, the only team that I can think of that didn't seem to be affected by that ever was the Pittsburgh Penguins, who seem to go to the finals or the deep in the playoffs every year and it didn't matter but yeah. you know maybe younger kids a little bit different or different pressures you know different guys going into draft years or certain injuries I know um, Barron was injured for a while and he was highly touted as a prospect so you know different things and and maybe you know maybe the the rush of having the Thunderbirds around too maybe a little bit of the shine got took off the moose heads and it just didn't go well for them this season but you know, we've seen this story before where they recouped assets, and that's how they got the Jared McIsaacs and the Bo Grews. And you look back even further, the Druens and the McKinnons and such. So, you know, they went and they recouped the assets and they used them properly and got exciting names. And hopefully that's the next chapter that's going to be written here again. Yeah, and I think that uh, Cam Russell absolutely uh, made the right choice in order to make sure that they um, acquire some assets in order to build up from the draft. And, you know, who is that next uh, Jared McIsaac that's going to be, uh, you know, with the Halifax Mooseheads? And I think you can find that in the draft. 
and I'm sure that they've done their homework and they know that you know what players they want to target to bring back here in Halifax. But here's the thing: um, the Mooseheads are a staple at Scotiabank Center. Uh, they are uh, synonymous throughout the sports scene here in Halifax. People will support the Mooseheads. It's a great time going to the games. Yep. Uh, you know, and uh, people, people, the, the Moose is in people's hearts here in Halifax, and, and people drive, you know, an hour or more to come to games, and that's, that's not going to change. Oh, no, definitely not. By, by saying the shine, I just mean, you know, a new shiny toy kind of came to town, and, you know, they were doing really well, and the boom and the banging and everything was so crazy and cool. You know, just a little bit of time away from the Moosehead, but, I mean, they will be back. And, I mean, look at the Memorial Cup run. Uh, a lot of the yep. uh, the Thunderbirds guys were down for that, and they just couldn't get over the atmosphere. So, you know, to get it themselves was pretty wicked. But another team I wanted to ask you about um, is the Halifax Wanderers, another team that came to Halifax. A lot of fanfare. You see the store set up on Quimpool Road. You see the yep. banners. You see everybody getting really excited. So uh, for you, the Halifax Wanderers, I mean, are they a staple to stay here in Halifax? Or uh, is this going to be something that's here for a few years and then gone? Well, I'll tell you, um, I haven't been to the Wanderers grounds for for a game yet, but it's something that uh, I would really like to do. And I have just been blown away by the enthusiasm and the support that the Wanderers have here uh, in Halifax. I mean, they, they get together and they do, you know, they have pregame, uh, you know, drinks and stuff in downtown Halifax, and they all march to the Wanderers ground together, and they're all doing those chants, and uh, they have the blue smoke going, and the sky, and like it, the, the passion in that fan base is just something to behold, and it's quite remarkable to see they are so passionate about the Wanderers. Um, and I don't really see that dying off because they've been trying to bring uh, this team or a team here to Halifax for quite some time. And then when they got it, boy, they certainly uh, made it known that uh, they, they love the team. And, hey, they're close to selling out, if not selling out every game. So, um, you know, I, I think the support is strong. And I don't really see that changing, James. Well, I don't see it changing either, and I just, like I said, I just drove by, actually, just did a delivery for the infirmary, and I drove right by the, the grounds there, and, you know, it just, it's ever-growing what they're trying to do and trying to make it a more unique experience, but it wonders yeah. in my mind, if we did get a stadium, if that's a team that may be able to fit themselves in there as well and draw even more and just create even more of an atmosphere, you know, with the other fans coming from the other team and you see the battles back and forth even uh you know like tfc when they got seattle in and just the battles yeah. going back and forth it would be absolutely awesome but right now where they are it's it's serving them well and like you said the marches downtown and the blue smoke and just again you go back to the thunderbirds and talking about seeing merch and seeing people walking around with jerseys and stuff same thing for the wanderers and that store on quimpool road when the season starts up they're gonna be busy yeah and I, I think, you know, everything that we're talking about here, James, Halifax is a sports town, man. Oh, it, yeah. it, it is. And there's a huge appetite for this kind of stuff. And that's why you see, you know, the T-Birds games are packed. The Wanderers games are packed. They're still drawing 7,000 to 8,000 fans at Scotiabank Center for the Mooseheads when the product isn't the best that it could be or it's definitely not at the level it was during the Memorial Cup run last year. And, you know, fans are still coming out. They're taking their families out. Like, there's a, I think there's a huge opportunity and a market here for sports in Halifax. And I, 
definitely will for any team. You know, even junior hockey, and I mean, I work with the Cole Arbor Cole, so junior B, you mean, if you put an exciting product on the ice and you market it right and get everybody involved in it, I mean, when they played, I think it was the uh, the Privateers a couple years ago in the playoffs, and they sold out Scotia 2, and it was 700 fans in there just packed to the rafters. I mean, it yeah. speaks to it, right? People want to see exciting games, and they want to see meaningful things, and you know, see the Thunderbirds, see the Wanderers, even the Halifax uh, Hurricanes. You know, we had the Rain Men, and they went, and people were not happy about that. And then we got the Hurricanes back, and now they are doing well as well. So, I mean, this is a, a hockey, football, lacrosse, you name it, sports town. And even you look back at the uh, the MMA scene, when we used to have the, uh, the East Coast uh, Fight League that was here, you know, they used to do really well as well. And a lot of names came over there, like TJ Grant. So, I mean, yeah. the, the talent is definitely here, too. Yeah, no, no question about that. And I think, you know, the more we have teams like uh, you mentioned, like the Hurricanes, and now the Thunderbirds are here, the Wanderers are here, um, I think that that is only going to create more and generate more interest from uh, younger people who are looking for uh, new sports or new activities to get involved in. Um, I think this is opening up so many doors for young people to um, check out some new sports and get involved with. And to your point, I think that that's where we're going to see even more high-level athletes uh, being produced and generated from right here in Nova Scotia because of that. Oh, 100%. I definitely agree with you there. And I, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, too. I mean, obviously things are going to grow and there's going to be more and you're going to see more. So I, I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. But the thing we have to worry about right now is what do we do in the interim? Right now we're all locked down in quarantine with COVID-19. And now we're looking for what's going to happen on the other side of this. For you, what is the smart way to open up any league? And I'll use the NHL as an easy example. How do you bring back hockey and how do you do it safely? What is your m- mindset on proposal? I, I don't know, James. Like I, I work at News ninety five seven, which you mentioned uh, off the top, and you know, so every day I'm immersed in some of these new proposals and some of the ideas that are um, being thrown around and that we're reporting on. And I just, I can't see it right now. You know, um, I heard just today uh, we put a story together from uh, Canada's top doctor, Dr. Theresa Tam. And she mentioned that, you know, mass gatherings and sporting events are still a long way off. Like, she couldn't even put a timeline on it here in Canada. Now, I know that uh, in the U.S., uh, there are different proposals being thrown around, um, including, you know, having hubs where teams congregate and, and, and play maybe three or four games in one day. I just, I don't know how they can do that logistically. I, I really don't. I, I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> to well, I, I look at the, the congregating part, and I've said this, and, and it's going to sound like a broken record because I've said it with every guest I've spoke with so far. Um, you know, you bring those teams to an area and you have them all be congregate in that one spot. So then what do you have to bring in? You have to bring in all the service members for that hotel. You have to bring in chefs. You have to bring in you know mechanics. You have to bring in uh, maintenance workers. You have to bring in food sources, you have to bring in linens, you have to have everything cleaned, everything has to be done, and those are people that are coming in from the city, because you're not going to get deliveries from the hotel to the hotel, it's going to be brought in from somewhere else, so are you testing each and every person before they come on site to that hotel, and my thing is, 
you can't go ahead and do any sporting event. You can't have any celebrity perform with a crowd or anything like that unless you have a mass testing device that is rapid response. And by rapid response, I mean you get a result within 15 to 20 minutes and everyone has to be tested, not just you know, high-profile athletes or celebrities. It has to be readily available for the mass public to use so everybody can be tested and everyone can be safe. Yeah, no, no question. Um, you know, unless there's a, a vaccine that, that comes together more quickly than, than what we're seeing right now, I mean, that's really one of the only ways I can see us uh, being able to have fans, um, you know, and spectators watching uh large sports events uh that that's really the only way i can see it happening and you want to know what this, this is really kind of brought this to attention without the fans without people who support you know the home team and, and cheer on their team what what really is sports what, what really is it without the fans it's a pickup game it's just a pickup yeah, game in your in your driveway or the street or wherever you're playing on a gridiron it's just a pickup game and, and that's what it is like when you used to play with your buddies it's exactly what it is yeah. Except you got cameras on you because it'll be on TV and it'll be marketed to hell. <laughs> <laughs> the, the atmosphere that, you know, 10,000, that 20,000, that 30,000 fans bring or more bring to a game, I mean, you can't replace that. You can't replace that. You have, there, there's some entertainment value there to be able to watch something live that's happening on TV, which a lot of us are craving right now. I miss sports terribly. Oh, yes. But, Well, I proposed an idea and, you know, I got mixed results on it, especially posting on Twitter. But, you know, teams may want to look into making what you would call a virtual ticket. Because what I thought at first is you would, um, you know, just allow fans to be in on a live stream and they can cheer when things happen and it's just piped into whatever arena they're at. But then you invite people that can do bad things like you've seen with the uh, young New York Rangers player and what came up on that Zoom chat. So you invite those kind of things. So if you have a way to have a person purchase a virtual ticket to the game and it allows you a spot in whatever kind of media forum they're using to pipe that into the arena and you can cheer and jeer just like you usually would at a game but with a mass amount of people, I'm wondering if that's one way you can kind of have fan interaction. Um, The only problem with that is how close in sync can you get it with the game and would there be a delay? Right. And, you know, I think that's great. I, I always love hearing uh, outside-the-box thinking, and I think that idea falls right in line with that. And, you know, further to that, I think that's what we're hearing with, uh, you know, with Gary Bettman's proposal, what Rob Manfred is proposal, proposing in baseball. They are thinking outside-the-box for ways that they can bring back professional sports for people who are craving uh, to watch or for something to do during the pandemic. And I think it's ideas like the one you just proposed that, you know, might get us there quicker. It, it might happen. But like I said, it goes back to also you have to have safety of mind for everyone. And I think we're going to get our first test balloons. We have one right now in the WWE that was deemed an essential service, which blows my mind. But yeah. um, further than that, I mean, they're they're putting on events and they haven't stopped. But the next one that's going to be the real look at is one that's going to be put together on the day. And it's aimed for May 9th. It's the UFC. They're going to try to have this fight card. um, And they're going to have to have everyone tested. They're going to have to have everything done with no fans and different ways of doing it. 
So that is a test balloon that I think all sports leagues will be looking at. And it's kind of funny that two of um, Donald Trump's little buddies, Vince McMahon and Dana White, both get to be open for business, so to speak, and be those test balloons. And I'm wondering for you, do you see the UFC event going on? And do you um, think what they do will set a precedent for the other leagues? I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Like I, I was blown away when um, I saw that the governor for Florida had deemed the WWE an essential business a couple of weeks ago. I think I almost fell off my chair. And then, uh, you know, I've been also monitoring what Dana White has been doing about the UFC events. And I, I think that UFC, I think you could get away with it, um, you know, if all the testing protocols and measures were in place to ensure safety. I think I think an event like that, you could probably get away with it uh, and host the event without any fans. Um, and if, any, if anybody can pull this off, I'll say, James, it's, it's Dana White. And Vince McMahon, <laughs> if they're going to find a way, and I'll actually I'll add Gary Bettman to that too. Uh, if if they're going to find a way to get this done, they're going to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, if it was up to Dana White, he would already had one event so far. And I mean, you yeah. hear it, it's straight out of a movie. He's got Fight Island being built so he can host international fights and international fighters as well. So you listen to that and it's like, this is straight out of, wow, cuckoo town. But, you know, if it gets going... And they're able to institute some sort of mass testing that has a rapid response, then that's what we're looking for right now, at least to ease our way back into normalcy. But it doesn't lend itself to having fans. It doesn't lend itself to changing how we're operating in everyday life. And the other problem is you have people that will gather wherever it is to try to watch it outside or try to be a part of it. And is that going to add problems too? Well, that, that's just it. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, they're looking for the pay-per-view dollars. Um, I think they held, uh, Vince McMahon held WrestleMania without any uh, fans. Uh, and, I was guilty. And, I, I watched it because it was the only sports on. So. Well, th- there you go. So, so you either you have the, the WWE Network or you went the pay-per-view route. So there's still money that's funneling in to that corporation same thing with ufc i mean how much when they have big uh, fighters on the card i mean their pay-per-views if they've got uh, conor mcgregor on the fight card yeah. their pay-per-view dollars are going to go through the roof right well, if uh, you look at the proposed card for may 9th and i don't know if you're a huge ufc guy but you look at that card and it's the who's who the bangers of the bangers champions and all the galore and you're looking at that card like just let it happen. I just want to yeah. see this because you're feeding for it. I mean, I make the joke. I watched that marble race online that was up to 3 million views, and the guy did commentary over the entire marble race, named all the marbles, and it was like a NASCAR race. It was absolutely awesome, but 3 million <laughs> views because there's nothing live to watch but this guy running his marbles. <laughs> and and aren't, aren't they uh, also broadcasting uh, like gamers? Uh, professional athletes who are playing against one another in, in like, uh, uh, station baseball games. Aren't they doing that now? Oh, eSports, yeah. eSports has gone huge. Yeah, eSports. eSports is about to be the next big thing, I think, for the next while because even NHL teams are getting on board now and running out their schedules and playing against teams or having a member of the team play another team. I know there's a new EA Sports (laughs) tournament coming up and each team is represented by a player or two 
and I know I'm a, I'm a diehard Maple Leaf fan, so you know, Zach Hyman is representing the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he owns his own uh, E11 Gaming, so he owns his own gaming hub, so he's got a bunch of guys that'll be working with him, but it's absolutely insane what you can do with e-gaming now, and you know, it, it does satiate the need a little bit, but the only problem is you're not as invested because there's no uh, there's no kind of fan payoff at the end. When the game is done, it's just done. Right. Right. But, you know, it's fun to watch, and, and maybe that's the way they go. Maybe Gary Bettman says, all right, we're going to go eSports, and it's going to be eSports. But the thing that caught me off guard the most, I'm a huge listener of the Joe Rogan podcast, and I always say he's not the best beacon for news, but... He always tries to grab facts and, and spin them in his own bro way. Um, you listen to what he said about in California where they're telling them, because he's a stand-up comedian, that you're not going to have any gatherings or crowds until the fall of 2021 is what they're looking at. Wow. So you're looking well over a year out. They're telling people that, yeah, don't get don't get ready for it. Don't get excited for it because it's looking like it's going to be that far. And then like you just said about Dr. Tam... I mean, maybe she doesn't want to put a timeline on it because you don't want to dampen spirits. There's one thing in this situation you don't want to do. You don't want to say 2021 because a lot of people, it would get you down in the dumps. I mean, we talk about how we're fiending for sports right now and there's nothing to watch. You know, imagine someone telling you, yeah, 2021 might be the next time you get to go call a Thunderbirds game. You know, it kind of puts you in a little bit of a mood for a minute. That's, that's unreal. Um I, God, I hope that that does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean, though? I, I dropped yeah. that little tidbit on you, like with the time frame that they use out in California, and you, it puts in your mind, like, no. Like, no, yeah. no, no, no. And then you, you well, get yeah. on the computer and you start researching it, and more and more you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, we won't have a vaccine until this date. And it's like, I need to stop. You know, yeah. like, for me, I'm corona out. Like, the only thing I, I look, listen for each day now is the new case count. I hope and pray that there's no one else who's passed away and just hope that Nova Scotia can start flattening the curve. But that's all I look for because it changes every five minutes. There's a new report, a new thing, and if you try to keep up with it, it will absolutely consume you to the top. Yeah. Oh, I listen, I hear you. I've been been consumed with it uh, every day for a month and a half now, so I'm... (laughs) Yeah, I, I know I know what you're saying there for sure. I get the lucky break. For me, my job right now, I, I drive for Praxair, so I deliver medical gas. And for me, on my phone, I don't have data for a reason. That way I don't hear anything, whether it's sports. It doesn't matter even when things were normal. It's a nice treat for me when I get to lunch break or I get to the end of the day when I get home that I can pick and choose the flood of news that I want. It's not yeah. constantly bombarding me. It's not constantly notifying me, so I can just dive in and have fun with what I want to look at, not knowing everything, and then when someone tells me something, it's almost new. And I find today, yep. with, with having so much access to everything at your fingertips, it's almost like nothing is new to you, nothing is fresh, nothing is exciting, so I like having that break. It gives me that mental headspace to come out of the other end of the day, not bombarded with the entire world. Yeah, I listen, I completely agree, and... Uh... You know, one thing that I learned throughout my career is that, you know, when you're on vacation, when it's your weekends during your time off, um, it's just to kind of leave whatever happened throughout the day. And, you know, I've covered some pretty intense stories throughout the cover, uh, throughout the you know course of my career, um, whether it be uh, court trials or tragedies like what we're going through right now, um, which is really difficult to turn off. But 
one thing I've been able to do is just to try and separate work from my home and family life because if you don't, um, it can really consume you. And people working in media, hey, sometimes uh, we don't get, uh, let's just be frank about it, some people uh, don't think uh, very highly of people who work in media. Um, but, you know, we do our best to make sure that we're providing uh, important, uh, accurate, credible, and timely information to the public, especially during COVID-19 and the shooting that just happened. And, and those are things that we we uh, try our best to do. Uh, but I think it's critically important to separate the two. Well, see, and you talk about, you know, people looking at media members sometimes and you know, giving them that kind of paintbrush attitude where, hey, you know, sometimes not needed. For me, I look at it like this. If there was no media members, where would you get credible information? You'd be listening to hearsay or you'd be trying to figure it out yourself. So Propaganda. Yeah. Right? I mean, so it's, I like having a credible source. Now, do you have to agree with whatever avenue or spin is put on it? No. But it's no. good to have that information for yourself to digest and figure it out. I mean, we're all adults, or even if you're younger, you can figure out what you want to consume and what you want to believe or what you want to research. And sometimes yeah. we're all human. People get things wrong, and you have to, you know, atone to the mistake you make, and you move forward. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't get the, the, the bash against media sometimes. I never will. Uh, I, I look forward to, no matter if it's sports, no matter if it's news, I look forward to listening to my favorite people, and, you know, I don't cast any dispersions on them or anything like that. I just enjoy what they do and understand it's got to be stressful and pressure-packed every day to make sure you're getting the information not only right, but putting it in a way that people can digest and take in properly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess my, my North Star or uh, my guarding light throughout my career has always been present people with the facts and then they'll decide how they feel about it. Yep, that's, and that's how, that's how I approached uh, my 18-year career in media. That's all you can do and let people decide for themselves. That's basically it. You know, any further than that, I, sometimes I just get to shake your head. But, I mean, I'm very thankful for getting to do what I get to do, just this little thing here, and I'm very thankful that you took the time today, Steve, with everything that is going on to uh, sit down talk sports with me and everything else going around COVID-19. Uh, where can people listen to you? Where can people find you? Um, I'm sure people definitely want to figure that out. Sure. Uh, we're at news957.com. You can stream us uh, anywhere or run your dial at uh, news957.com as well. And, hey, we want to see you out at the next T-Birds game. Whenever that is, it's going to be a party, and we're going to rock it out. And we're going to have a great time the next time we're back at Scotiabank Center for a T-Birds game, and I can't wait. I cannot wait. Maybe before the game we'll get a little something queued up and have some fun with it. Sounds great, James. Thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate you having me. Not a problem. I appreciate it back at you. You have yourself a great day and stay safe. Okay, you too, James. So as you heard, ladies and gentlemen, that was Steve MacArthur from News 95.7, also the PA announcer for the Halifax Thunderbirds. Like you said, get down and check out the Thunderbirds when we get on the other side of COVID-19. A lot of information in there, a lot of talking about different leagues, and of course, like I said, the local flair for the Halifax sports scene. If you haven't been down here, what are you waiting for? When COVID is done and we get on the other side and life turns back to normal, 
Get your butt out to the East Coast. Check out the Thunderbirds. Check out the Mooseheads. Go to a Wanderers game. Or maybe by the time you get here, there'll be a stadium and a CFL team. Everybody, I want to thank you very much for listening in. This has been a lot of fun. All right, guys, take it easy. That's Offside for today. 